Welcome back to the From Where I Sit podcast, and we are reviewing season two of Ozark. Time is but an illusion. Sleep patterns are but a mere suggestion. But I am back with another round of spoiler-filled reviews and reactions to popular TV shows in the cosmos. As I said, I'll be talking about Ozark season two. Um, I'll start with the pros, the cons, uh, some of the characters, and uh, my final thought. So let's get into it. Pros, we are back with season two being somewhat better than season one. It's an interesting discussion because season one was heavy on establishing all of the characters, setting up who we like or may not like, um, doing some character development here and there. But there was a lot more explosive activity, a lot of people getting their wigs pushed back. And season two had a little less than that. I mean, there was still a body count. Uh, By my estimation, five people had to go during those 10 episodes. But the focus wasn't necessarily on the gore anymore. It wasn't about killing for the sake of gratuitous violence. It was more about these people had to go to set up uh, certain developments within the story. Actually, now now that I'm double checking the body count, it is six people. The characters were developed in a way that was very well executed. Certain people were lifted up. Certain people were sort of laid down by the wayside. But once we saw that character development take place and take shape, it sort of made the show enjoyable uh, a bit more. Now, was my one minor caveat, you would have had to have seen season one and sort of, you know, persevered and made your way through season one to get to this glorious point of the end of season two. Because if, the, if you watch this show on its own, you'd be like, eh, you know, nothing's really going on. This is not that exciting a show. Um, it's, you know, people are just bickering and nobody's getting, you know, clipped off. Like, it, it doesn't move with that type of energy and pace uh, a show like The Wire did or a show like The Sopranos did where there's heavy body counts, shootouts, stuff like that. But now you've got a show that's subtle, nuanced. And it builds off of season one in such a way that it corrects some of the things that I was angry about and creates a more well-balanced platform uh, going forward. Um, I was able to binge this one in short order. I think I watched the first seven episodes in a row, uh, first six, seven episodes in a row. And then I took the last three, four off only because I was tired. If I had the energy to power through, I would have. Um, And that's a sign that the show has improved, in my opinion, because season one, as I mentioned, it was a slog to get through. It was not easy. Another pro, technical merit. Once again, we've got high quality camera work. Dialogue still sharp, but the camera work this time around. There's a scene in episode two where Wendy and Charles Wilkes are on a boat. That scene is masterful work. Like that's if you want to see something on a highlight reel of top tier cinematography that is what you put on a cinematographer's reel and you show it off 
to get hired and that person should get paid millions of dollars to recreate other scenes for other shows similar to that. Um, the framing of it, the audio, the setup, the way the camera pulls in and out. Yeah, uh, I have no other negatives to say on the technical side of things. Once again, it's a well shot show, cinematography above average to top tier. Uh, there is no issues there. And of course, this show is, it's sort of climbing to the top of the list of shows about leverage, what I call leverage porn, where you have characters who have information, where it's like, I have this on you, you have this on me. Somebody makes that declaration where it's like, okay, if you don't do X for me, I'm going to do this negative thing to you. And then we see how that leverage plays out. Who who maintains that point of leverage throughout maybe a 60-minute episode? And of course, usually our heroes or our protagonists end up on top. But it's very interesting to see. This one sort of ramps it up to 10 because you have characters. These are not characters who use leverage lightly. These are people who do research. These are people... Marty Bird goes to libraries and, you know, municipal offices to find maps to look up, you know, important things like uh, state lines and, you know, where where your property lines start and end. Like, that's the sort of stuff that a lot of shows never do. The leverage is usually violence based or it's, oh, we have your child pay money to get child back. But this show, we've got some smart people. Marty's a smarty. Uh, Wendy's a smart one. You know, a lot of these so-called Ozark natives, they've got some sharp ideas as well. They know things about the land and how things work that the city folk don't know. So that type of leverage porn, if you're into stuff like that, that's the sort of thing you're going to get a lot of in season two. A lot of it. Let's slip into the cons real quick. Number one con, as usual. I think this may be a running theme through all of my reviews. Uh, Charlotte Bird is a nightmare. Uh, she is the most <laughs> problematic character I've seen on TV in a minute. I mean, there's, there is one other person I can think of, uh, Tariq from Power, but Charlotte is a close second. She just finds ways to muck things up in the worst way possible. Just anytime there's some sort of momentum or progress, she is the human embodiment of a sawhorse in the middle of the street. She is a pothole. She is a, a sinkhole. She is a busted water heater in the winter. Like she's just an inconvenience. Like she is not helpful in any way, any way. And I, I know that she's probably going to be here for a bit. Um, I know wishing for a fictional character's death is maybe a bad thing, but maybe she can just go to another city, just take some money and go off somewhere, go to a relative, uh, you know, go to a, another state. Just, just get at it. Just get out of the Ozark area and stop being a hurdle and stop being a hindrance to the bird family. Just 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 get out of there. Just 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 leave, please. Another negative is the 
show started to feel a little bit more formulaic, um, you started to notice there's a routine of Marty and Wendy leaving the house to deal with some sort of problem, coming back to the house, arguing, saying, you know, why did you not, why did you make this decision without me? Oh, I didn't have time to tell you about it. Uh, rinse, cycle, repeat. That can be a slight bother once you start seeing that rotation over and over and over again. But it didn't really hinder too much. It's, it just, it was something I noticed out of the corner of my eye, but considering everything that was going on, it was something that I could forgive because it wasn't so glaringly bad and, it, and the show still entertains that I, c- I can let that go. Um, another small con, you can tell I'm reaching with these cons this time, is uh, the money laundering took more of a backseat and I felt like that took some of the edge off of the show because Marty and Wendy had money to pull from. Um, the whole thing about season one, why that worked in that way is because they their money, they had to move money and they had to make sure they moved it in a way that, you know, uh, got them to the deadline in time. And, you know, they had money stolen from them. They had to go get money back. Like they, they were in the negatives at one point and they had to sort of fish around and get some money from uh, Sam's mother who who uh, met her demise by a garbage truck. But yeah, the, the fact that they didn't have to really worry for money and they just had to deal with, you know, pressures from all around that kind of made the stakes not as high. It just felt more like person management this season instead of having high stakes. But, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm reaching here. This is, this is probably more of a nitpick than an actual con. But since I have created two specific lists of pros and cons, I have to put something on the con section. Um, let's talk about people we like. Can we talk about Wendy Bird, please? Wendy Bird. Gwendolyn Aloysius Bird. <laughs> Wendy's become a major hitter in the character lexicon of TV show characters. It's very interesting with Wendy because Wendy's not one to, you know, take someone's scalp off. Wendy's not Darlene. Like, Darlene is still a thing, and I, I love Darlene. I'll get to her in a second. Who knew that a political campaign background made you that prepared for the criminal element in a brand new city? Wendy finds a way to be a non-traditional mother type where she handles everything for everybody else or everything else in the Ozarks and then still tries to do the motherly thing at home uh, to varying degrees of success. I mean, she'll have those moments where she'll talk to Jonah or Charlotte and say, you know, I love you very much. You know, let's stay together. You know, do this, do that. Here's breakfast. Here's coffee. She tries to provide in the matronly way, that way at home. But when she's out and about, you know, dealing with the leverage, the leverage plays between the Snells, the cartel, uh, you know, Gaming Commission, Wilkes, even Langmore's dad at one point, like Wendy really has to put in the work and it's very reward, very rewarding. She makes decisions, you know, she, she's not, she's not out there with an AK and war paint just gunning down Mexican flunkies or Ozark flunkies. She's out there using her wits. 
using her gift of gab, using her ability to leverage situations right there on the spot, you know, dropping <laughs> threats to lawyers, you know, when, when Wendy gives you the squint and the smirk, it's a wrap. Just call it a day. Because that, that, that voice, she's using her talents and her charms to get you, and it's game over. And she really stepped up. Like, you could tell when Mason Young got put down um, for reasons, that was, her, that was her moment. And I think that's part of why I like season two is that there's a reality to that sequence where... Wendy sort of pulled it together and Marty fell apart and that angle hasn't been presented in a crime show like that before where a person just has no way to capably deal with trauma like that. Wendy and Marty are both not the type to pull the tools out and start shooting people left and right. That's not their thing. So when they're forced to, or when Marty had to shoot uh, Pastor Mason, Wendy took the ball and ran with it from that point on. And that's the power dynamic was handed, you know, clearly. Marty clearly handed the baton over to Wendy in that episode, in that situation. But uh, Wendy Bird, high five, top tier, five star character. If anyone says anything different, um, we're probably going to have to scrap it out because I will, I will fight for Wendy uh, I'm a Wendy Stan, whatever uh, whatever superlatives you want to give, I will give for Wendy. Um, some of the other characters I liked, Darlene Snell, as usual. Um, she is a firecracker. She was a bit erratic, uh, a little baby crazy from my liking this season, but uh, the inventiveness, the willingness to try and put people down, the, the way she would threaten people, the, the way she got her husband... Uh, Cause she knew her husband was going to try like she's always one step ahead. And I, I appreciate that about her character because she is not the most, she is not the most delicate when it comes to dealing with her problems. It's usually eradication with Bible verse uh, and either uh, some sort of threat of violence. Uh, she'll pull the trigger on you as we saw in season one. Um, but she will she will put hands on you if need be. But she's also proven herself to be a very formidable adversary to the birds and anyone who tries to press her by finding ways to just cause havoc. You know, she's one of the X factors of the show, you know, dropping fentanyl in her own heroin, killing her own husband with uh, cyanide from a cherry pit, you know, like that type of that type of mind is a very creative one and a very dangerous one. And I like that a lot in this show. Um, Ruth Langmore, uh, she improved a little bit here. She's also part of the subtlety of the show. You know, her battling the demons of her family, uh, the Langmores, you know, dad, her dad being the derelict that he is, you know, the fact that she had to sort of power through that through the whole season that was an interesting that was an interesting journey to see her go on you know as we learned we found out together that ruth may not be built for the big time big time she can be in a criminal enterprise but she can't be the the head honcho of one for as much tough talk as she has she's not going to be the one to 
pull the trigger when pressed, uh, but that doesn't make her any less valuable in a show like this. Um, she's valuable to Marty's business. Um, she proved it throughout the year. The waterboarding was tough to watch, unfortunately for her, because I don't think she deserved it. But, you know, uh, she powered through. Um, she made it through to the other side. Uh, big ups to Ruth for that. I think that made her a little stronger. I I like that about her. A uh, little shout out to Sam and Jade, the brand new couple uh, in season two. Of course, Sam would fall in love with a stripper. No offense to people who are strippers. I'm just saying. In a show like this, Sam being hooked by the first person who gave him any attention is so Sam-like. It's unfortunate that you know his mother's not there to <laughs> approve or disapprove, but um, shout out to Sam. He took two shots to the face um, in the se- this season. Uh, he took a gun butt from Ruth's dad, and I think he got punched by somebody else. So he may not be long for the management role at the Lickety Split, but, uh, you know, at least Sam's happy with the love of his life. Uh, shout out to Tuck as well for his rap choices, Tupac and Biggie. Uh, shout out to him. I agree with him on the Biggie-Tupac conversation. Uh, interesting that Ruth is the one that got him involved in that. That's another check mark on Ruth's ledger. I'm also a fan of Marty Bird. Now, most people would say, you know, Marty breaking down by the end of season two and becoming... I don't want to say unreliable, but he, once he was so shaken from killing uh, Mason that he seemed to be unreliable for about two and a half episodes. But I kind of appreciated that fact that, you know, he realized he just wasn't built for this. Like he wasn't ready for the big time. You know, pulling that trigger has an effect and showing the negative side of that effect on him was... It was worth it. It was worth watching. It's worth seeing. And it doesn't make me think any less of Marty because he can't. It just makes it so that it's real. You know, Marty was always walking that fine line anyway, where we just we as the viewer just never knew if Marty could sort of be that guy. Like if he had to harden that edge and really pull the trigger and kill people, could he really do it? And there was no clear way he was leaning either pro or con through the first season and change. But once that moment happened where he had to, you know, he was forced, uh, you know, it had an effect. And I, I respect, I respect the fact that he was able to still be useful, even though he couldn't really um, be his most efficient self. He still kept running the errands. He kept putting out fires here and there. Um, He kept trying to make things happen. So I will give Marty credit. I never, I never assumed he would be the leader of this whole thing anyway. I mean, he was the one who started the laundering and him and Wendy agreed to do it as like a duo, but I, it never made it clear that he was like, oh, Marty's the leader of the group and everybody else that follows in line. It always felt like the power structure wasn't set yet. And I think season two made that setting happen. Let's talk about people I disliked. Uh, back to Charlotte again. Charlotte's terrible. The emancipation part, absolutely head-scratching. I don't understand why she would choose to emancipate herself at that particular moment in the series, uh, in the season. And, of course, the first thing that happens when she gets emancipated and tries to live by herself in a van down by the river. Young lady, what do you want to do with your life? 
I want to live in a van down by the river. Well, you'll have plenty of time to live in a van down by the river when you're living in a van down by the river. She ends up getting dragged by her hair by Cade, and she looks lost in the sauce. She's not built for outdoor living. She's not built to live by herself. Knowing her, she'd probably end up in a bear trap, caught in some fish trap, uh, you know, starving in a tent somewhere. Like, she's going to be a hot mess. I know she's trying to find her way, and there are times during the series that she has said some poignant things that do make sense. You know, the hypocrisy of it all is her job to sort of point out, but she does it at the worst possible times, and she also does it with a tone that is so condescending and annoying that even if she is making a point, you kind of just look at her and just say, uh, yeah, you're right, but so what? Shut up. Get up, get up off the screen. I can't stand you. Uh, Jacob... I kind of disliked his character arc. I know that Darlene is a handful, as he would say. She wasn't any more erratic than she normally was. So to for him to be more and more afraid of her as this season went along, it was gradual. The pacing of it was fine. I just I just didn't like seeing it. You know, I I, I respected him in season one for the presence that he had. And that presence got taken out from under him by the show. And that's, you know, it's unfortunate. And then the fact that he tried to, you know, take his wife out with a a paring knife. I was like, ah, you probably could have done better than that, my guy. Like, and, and you made it so obvious. Darlene, you know, saw ahead of that anyway and gave you the fresh coffee cocktail, the coffee cyanide special. And it was game over from there. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. And he got shot. Like, it's like he just... His image took a blow in such a way that made me like him a little bit less. Rachel Garrison, uh, I didn't like the fact that they brought her back as a junkie. Like, she took the money and, and flew off and then just got wasted the whole time. And I just, I didn't, I didn't like her coming back under the guise of her being a drug user because I didn't feel like that was a proper representation of what you could have done with her. You could have made her weak which she was but then you you make her a junkie and that's just eh, that undercuts her as well Uh, and why langmore got a little more annoying this season almost charlotte level annoying because he's just he's so passive he just sort of flops around as as a chess piece that doesn't really want to move he's like a pawn that you just put in front of another pawn and he just sits there he's the sacrificing piece uh, you know, when you take a pawn and then that pawn gets taken by a rook or a knight, he's he's that pawn. He's just so, you know, he just flop. He flaps his arms around. He's you know, he throws tantrums. He's just a sad sack of a guy. I know, you people will say his father died. You know, he's having issues with that. I get that, but I don't feel like he really took a step forward as a character. I think he took more of a step back. And whether that be grieving or whatever, I just didn't like his progression. There were some characters I was also indifferent on. Uh, Mason Young, I'll keep these short. Uh, Mason Young, I would have preferred if they kept his wife and they took him at the end of season one. Um, Because if the baby was just the plot contrivance uh, for the whole season, it would have been better for him to just not be there and just have maybe the angry mother there who was upset at the birds for whatever the reason. And then she ends up 
perishing because of her anger toward the birds. Mason's points, like his his whole presence just did nothing for me. Uh, Helen Pierce, uh, she cut an impressive figure, you know, some stern looks, some mean faces, some sharp dialogue, but she didn't have the same type of menace season long that someone like Dell did in season one. Her hitter, I think his name was um, Hector or Martin or the the guy who was driving her around and putting bullets in everybody. Uh, he was more of a menace, like a menacing figure. And I, I wanted that from her instead of what I got. Jonah Bird, uh, slight improvement. I like his initiative of trying to do more behind the scenes, uh, setting up offshore accounts um, and trying to find ways to do more criminal enterprises on the backside of things. I think that if they ever made a spinoff of the show and they made Jonah like the lead guy, he probably would be a lot more menacing because he would put he would pull triggers. He would put people in the dirt by his own hand while also still doing the money stuff behind the scenes. So he would be like a, a thrilling jack of all trades type of guy. Wilkes, I liked Wilkes. Um, his heavy focus on Wendy uh, was a little annoying, uh, but he, I liked his little play toward the end of the season when he made his sort of eye wink when the gaming commission made their final ask of like, listen, we need you to get the mafia out of the whole casino business. And he gave that little wink. I was like, okay, you're going to be around for a bit, Charles. I like that. And yeah. Oh, how can I forget? Uh, the guy who made the most radical 180 of all time, uh, Mr. Roy Petty, our boy Roy. Roy, to me, was the villain of this season. Uh, he gleefully stepped forward and said, this is my moment. This is where I will shine. He did what I wanted him to do in season one. He's, he made Rachel the CI, and he leveraged her hard. He treated her like a thing, like an item to get to a bigger thing, and it worked better for him. He took more control. I respected it. You know, I was clapping and laughing when he had his moment in episode five, I think it was, where, he, you know, he gets to arrest the birds, and he's, you know, He's sitting up on high. He doesn't have all the information. You know, he doesn't know everything, but he feels like he does. So he's out there, you know, posturing, throwing around all these zingers left and right. And he really thought he had it all. So um, seeing his progression to like ultra villain really entertained. It really entertained. I mean, unfortunately, you know, he was one of the six that perished this particular season. You know, that fish, that tackle box upside the head. You know, he he popped off to the wrong guy and it cost him. Uh, but that's tip, if that's not petty in a nutshell, then you haven't watched the show. That is my little breakdown of season two. All hail Wendy Bird. I think that's the main takeaway from this season. All hail Wendy Bird. You know, Wendy is willing to do whatever it takes to keep the Bird family afloat. She is well prepared to battle on the political stage she can battle on the criminal element stage 
she will battle on the familial stage. She'll she'll fight anybody and anyone at any time. She will clean the blood from the basement floor. She will help you load the body into the incinerator. She is also going to make you breakfast. Uh, lie to your face over a cup of coffee. She is, she is the one. She is the the baddest thing going in the show. Uh, even even better than Darlene. Darlene has a little bit more spice to her, but Wendy, I think Wendy can cover all bases. The fact that she wanted to go to the Gold Coast episode one and then episode ten said, "Nah, we're not going. I'm not going to no stinking Gold Coast. We have to stay here. We gotta we gotta set up shop here. It is by decree of Queen Wendy that we're staying." All that stuff you did behind the scenes, Marty, that's cool. You set up all this this escape plan. You got it. That's great. We're not going anywhere. We're staying here. And um, yeah, all hell Wendy. Wendy Bird, the squint and the smirk. Once you see those dimples, it's a wrap. Game over for you and your family. Um, so yeah, that is it. Uh, stay safe out there. Review of season three is coming soon. I hope you enjoyed Come back for season three's review. I may have less spoilers for that, considering it did come out this year in 2020. I may have to do a spoiler review or split it up in some way. Uh, Enjoy your day in totality, and I will talk to you another time. Later.